0: brought to you by the letter P and the number one.
1: Now here's your hosts, Jesse and Kevin. What a special treat to have a very big celebrity guest, a very terrific celebrity guest, as our president would say. Elmo, what, why are you here? Elmo is very sad, because Elmo just found out that Elmo might not have a job anymore. Oh no, what's happening, Elmo? Elmo heard that President Trump wants to cut funding to the channel that Elmo is ah. Good thing you're on HBO now, so it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> True
0: <It's your> story. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, it's not really Elmo, but uh, yes, we are sad. Anybody who grew up in say, the 1970s through the 2000s uh, probably spent some time watching Sesame Street, and Mr. And Rogers, and a whole bunch of stuff. And right, and and with the pr- proposed Trump budget stands to have some major cuts to things like the Corporation for Public Broadcasting which of course is funding the funder of PBS which is where prior to HBO Sesame Street was located. Yeah this is this is going to be a
1: mess. They came out with the budget late last week and you know they're cutting everything it seems, except for military, homeland security. So let's just go through a couple of things quickly. You know we could be here all day, literally going through everything that's being cut. So in the Department of Education, it's being cut by nine billion dollars, or thirteen point five percent of its budget. I mean, you're a teacher. That must mean a lot to you.
0: Yeah, it does. And the idea that education in such a critical time would be cut at all, and seeing it firsthand and seeing the deficits that students in uh, especially the cities of the United States are facing. Uh, this is this is critical, This is it's devastating. One of the programs that stands to be cut under the Trump budget will be the Striving Readers Program, which attempts to raise literacy levels at Title I middle and high schools across the country. And for those of you that maybe don't know, Title I generally refers to schools that are uh, serving populations that are impoverished or, or, or have other needs. So uh, this program, identify scientifically based research uh, practices and strategies to improve adolescent reading skills. And it seems kind of ironic to me, since the president himself could probably have benefited from a program like this.
1: That's putting it mildly. Uh, They're cutting $12.6 billion out of uh, HHS It's a lot of the stuff that I do work with, so I'm going to notice definitely a cut there. It's 16.2% of the budget. Uh, National Institute of Health, uh, $5.8 billion. The EPA, uh, $2.6 billion, which I believe the EPA is like 0.2% of the overall budget. It's ridiculous. Um, State, The State Department, $11 billion. I actually heard John Oliver say uh, last night that, and I agree with him, that these aren't the things you cut to save money. These are the things you cut to, say, screw you to somebody because... In the long run, the money allocated goes a long way, but it doesn't make much difference if you cut it to add it to the budget, into mean, the, uh, the defense budget.
0: Right, and like it cuts to the State Department. Forget diplomacy. Let's just have more war, right? And as I'm sure we'll talk later, right? The, the defense spending budget has increased, so let's cut diplomacy. Let's cut things, as you said, that seem to just just be out of spite or a slap in the face, rather than cut things that. Might actually uh, improve the country.
1: And let's just go through a couple of the programs. Again, there's so many programs being cut or eliminated. It's you know, you'd be here all day. So some of the things that are being cut: programs supporting before and after schools uh, programs. That's again something that you're going to see um, in your profession. Uh, the The Advanced Research Projects Agency for Energy, that funds clean energy research. I mean, who needs clean energy when we have coal? Right? It's fine. Um, right. uh, block grants that partly fund Meals on Wheels. That's been a big thing. Um, and yes, it's not all of them when it goes to Meals on Wheels, but it's it's a chunk. And why would you get rid of that? Uh, PBS, NPR, basically public broadcasting, National Endowment of the Arts, uh, National Endowment for Humanities. You know, the thing that upsets me… With all this being cut, we hear people like Spicer. Um, we hear a lot of the different people in the administration say things like, you know, the coal miner in West Virginia who is struggling to pay rent doesn't care about PBS. We, that's the definition of a coastal elite. They, they blame us on that. But you're basically saying because this person's a blue-collar worker that they can't enjoy the arts or they can't enjoy public radio. It's ridiculous.
0: I'm going to guess that their kids watched Sesame Street. It's probably, uh, you know, something that they were – so it's you're right. You're absolutely right. The whole idea of the, the Eastern elites. That, that's an example. And the Trump administration is, is playing that card right now. So I don't buy it either. And the idea, you know, I'm partial. I, I teach social studies. It's part of the humanities. If we lose sight of, of t- teaching and learning and experiencing, uh, looking into our past and, and how it connects together as a society, then we're really giving up on, on something important. And, and I hate to see us go in that opposite direction. But also, just before we go on, I wanna mention the EPA cuts, right? Something that stood out to me is the idea that most people consider the EPA just to be the, the climate change watchdog, but they do so much more than that. They actually, the more day-to-day activity, uh, according to the New York Times article by Coral Davenport, most people think of it as the climate change, uh, trying to curb climate change and regulate smokestacks, but more of what they do is respond to daily emergencies in the states, things like the 2014 uh, perfume factory fire right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where they helped to come in and and clean up and regulate that back in order. So if we cut the 3,200 jobs that are proposed under this budget to the EPA, what does that do when we have these emergency situations? We're still reeling from the Flint, Michigan water crisis. How dare we cut the EPA now?
1: And let's be honest, working for the EPA sucks normally because it's almost impossible to win with everything that's going on. You're constantly fighting an uphill battle, and if you take away $2.6 billion, it's the, the boulder's going to be rolling down on you. You're not, you're not fighting up the hill anymore. You've lost. And it, it's ridiculous. And, and again, it sounds so strange to say that $2.6 billion is a drop in the bucket. But when you see the military getting 500 plus billion dollars, you really—I mean, I used to be a lobbyist, and I would go into uh, to Congress and ask for five million dollars for what we were looking for, and they would laugh at us because it was so little compared to what other people got. And it's the same thing here, um, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, And you know, those are just the things that are being eliminated. There are also things that are being cut. So uh, the USDA water and wastewater loan and grant program again, who needs clear water? Let, let the runoff just go on in and, and god knows what you're drinking. Um, again, uh, yeah, see
0: Flint, Michigan.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think was it that scene in uh, Aaron Brockovich where the, the people were like, "Oh, it's a big deal the water." And then she gives them a glass of water from where they were It's like, "Oh, go ahead and drink," you know, and and it's it's a truth. It doesn't seem like a big deal when you don't live there. And it's not your water.
0: Right, you know. But up close and personal changes a lot of things.
1: I I don't mean to beat a dead horse in the ground, but the Trump administration just gives us so many opportunities that 20 Department of Education programs are going to be reduced or eliminated. And again, I mean, this is your livelihood. This is your living. And it's going to be that much more difficult because of this.
0: And there looks to be cuts to the FEMA state and local grant funding by uh, $667 million. This is the worst thing to happen to FEMA since the uh, 2005 Katrina disaster. The Brownies doing a heck of a job.
1: And good job next time the uh, or good luck next time it's in your backyard and you need that. And oops. I mean, sure, nothing's gonna happen at the White House, nothing's gonna happen. There's not gonna be a flood in New York City. I mean, yeah, there are other things gonna happen there, but these are things that Trump himself doesn't necessarily have to worry about. But there's a lot of things out there that a lot of people who voted for him do have to worry about. The people who live around, say, the Mississippi River that are gonna be flooded. I bet you a lot of them voted for Donald Trump. And next time there's a national disaster because their house is underwater sorry, we're not gonna have enough money to come help you because we got these FEMA programs.
0: Right, they're so quick to forget. And honestly, there's a disconnect between on the ground and their knowledge of how the system works. Voting for Trump because you feel that he represents your blue collar, middle America values, but you don't realize that his finger is on the button that controls the programs that would help you in these situations that, that you are facing year after year.
1: This budget, much like Trump Care, if we're gonna call it that, I've said we wouldn't call that in the past, the uh, American Health Care Act, these are the things that are gonna actually hurt the people who voted for Trump. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's like he did a Jedi mind trick and got the people to vote against what's what's best for them. And it's, and I guess that's the paradox of participation I learned in Poly Sci 101: the, the people in need of most change do the least to to get it. And um, it's 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 going to be sad. It's 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 sad now because you can see what's coming down the pike, and it's going to be even sadder when this this becomes a reality.
0: Perhaps that's what we're here for, Jess, to remind people of how their their system of government actually works. Hey, if that's the mm-hmm. least we can do, then I'm happy to do it.
1: <laughs> you may not agree with us politically, but listen to us. You may learn a thing or two, and. Uh... I said, you know, maybe you guys send us a message, maybe we'll learn th- learn something from you. So, those are a lot of the things that are being cut, but no no, there are some things that are getting more money. Um the defense department is going to be getting 574 billion dollars. That's that's more than half a trillion dollars. That's that's a lot of money.
0: It is a lot. And look, it's already 54% of the overall budget. So, when we are looking to make cuts somewhere, you know, I don't want to say and, and and trust me, I appreciate those who serve this country uh, across the board in our military, but maybe we should be looking for ways that we could limit the spending militarily by using more diplomacy, right? We're looking to spend 78, oh, almost $79 billion in veterans affairs. Now, again, as I said, I, I, I love our veterans. I'm the son of a veteran. But if we had fewer wars, if we were out there, you know, less provocating of, of wars around the world, we would have fewer for veterans to pay for later on, so maybe there's some ways here that we could reduce our spending.
1: Yeah, and Trump never shuts up about there. There being like you know only a like hundred and twenty ships. It's like it's, it's as close as we were to World War One levels. But if you got another hundred ships, another hundred battleships, or whatever, I don't know whatever they would have, is that going to change anything? No, because we're not having like these giant naval battles anymore. Uh, we're not <laughs> we're not having the the conventional wars we used to have. You buy more planes, you buy more boats, it's not gonna do anything to stop terrorists. I mean, maybe they're gonna take that money and buy a bazillion drones, but wasn't Trump against you know blowing up people left and right? It's, it's, it's money, it's, it's not about how much money you have, it's how you're using it.
0: Jesse, somewhere Alfred T. Mahan and Chester Nimitz are rolling over in their grave. How dare you say that we shouldn't build more ships? I, but no I agree, way. right? <laughs> we don't need to fight the wars the same way we used to, so that's apples and oranges.
1: And going back to what you're saying, you know I, the veter- Veterans Affairs is getting seventy basically seventy nine billion dollars more. And again yet, yeah, our our veterans are in need. But again, do they need more money, or do you just need to have someone competent running the organization? Because a lot of the problems the VA is having is it's just incompetence left and right, and how things are going on. And I, I honestly don't know um, whether they are really in need of a lot more money or just somebody who has a brain in their head and and can write the ship.
0: If we can cut back on some of that corruption in our government and more efficiency at the, uh, the levels of these programs are uh, run, we could probably save money right there.
1: It's all about saving money, except for when it comes to Trump and spending it on the things he really likes. You know, he wants to cut the budget where he says he's going to save us money, but you know, just throw it into the into more wars, more homeland security, all that stuff. Um, and then don't forget the the wall that Mexico is going to be paying for, except for we are. Um, There's about two point six billion dollars uh, put together to build the wall until Mexico decides to pay for it. Uh, and they started in the last week or so accepting proposals for this wall um, and some specifications. It has to be at least 18 feet, but they really want it to be like 30 feet tall. Now we're both from New England Red Sox fans. How how tall did you say the Green Monster was?
0: I believe it's about 37 feet. So this is yeah, just I've shy been, of the Green Monster.
1: I, I've been up there. You know, I, I think it's pretty high. If you did it 20 feet. Maybe that would be enough. I, I don't know what's happening on the other side of these walls. But 30 feet for the entire border, that seems seems insane. And then it has to be really 36 feet because they want it to go six feet in the ground to prevent anybody from digging under, which I guess I, that works. But I don't know. something tells me if people are willing to dig six feet, they'll dig seven feet, too, to get under. I don't know uh, how much a reality that is.
0: Six feet doesn't seem all that deep. And honestly, the specifications on these, the proposals uh, they're looking for – it seems like a bad joke, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't really take these things serious. the The thought that you know they they have to prove that they aren't susceptible to sledgehammers and pickaxes, and I can see in my head, I, I can see like cartoon characters like digging at this thing. You know, it, it's it's like a bad movie.
1: I think the funniest part to me is that they want to make sure that it. Uh... Can prevent sophisticated climbing aids like grappling hooks? Like, are they trying to keep out Mexicans or Batman? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Who, who's crossing over to the United States with a grappling hook? I don't, I don't understand. Are they superheroes?
0: Apparently. I don't know.
1: And then the funniest part is that, by the way, the, the north side of the wall must be aesthetically pleasing so that when we look down towards Mexico to this wall, you know, it's not an eyesore. It's not a 30-foot eyesore.
0: Right. We're going to bring Bob Ross back to paint some happy little trees on it.
1: I, I can just imagine them like painting the Mexican border, so, so it just looks like you're looking into Mexico, even though it's a giant wall. You know, it's a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. I'll just run right into it and smash into the wall.
0: I don't know. If only I can't imagine. This is that's going to be something to see.
1: So, so we have 2.6 billion dollars allocated towards that. Trump says it's going to cost like. Yeah, not $12 billion, which, of course, Mexico will pay for. Um, some independent analysis. I saw CNBC today said $25 billion, But let's not forget that there's annual maintenance that could be as high as $750 million. So this is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, and what's costing America more money, uh, illegal immigrants coming to our country or $750 million to a wall that may or may not work?
0: Yeah, you know, I'll take the independent analysis figure of $25, uh, 25 billion. I think that's probably a little bit closer to it. And, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, again, we can look to our history here. And why don't we ask the Germans, you know, about the upkeep of the little wall they had?
1: How, how long till, the, like, Mr. Trump tear down this wall?
0: <laughs> I can hear it now.
1: You know, I, I was going to say speaking of Trump, but this entire podcast is about Donald Trump and his presidency. So I can say that at any given time. He um, – just when I think maybe someone took away his cell phone or his computer, he went and tweeted on a – he went nuts this morning. Probably because he knew this stuff was going to be coming out at the uh, the Comey hearing, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, this morning he tweeted out, you know, James Clapper and others stated that there's no evidence that POTUS conclu- colluded with Russia. The story is fake and everyone knows it. And here's the funny thing. He wrote POTUS. Like he didn't write – Capital P, capital O. We did POTUS like it was a like, hey Jim POTUS colluded with somebody. It's a guy. No, um, it's a petty comment, but it's it's not it's not fake news when the CIA and the and, and the DOJ and the Ns everybody's looking into it.
0: I, don't know. I think you know the the tweet that he made about the Democrats made up and pushed the Russian story as an excuse for running a terrible campaign. I'll give him that. The Dems. could have done better. They, They neglected middle America, and as a result, they paid for it with the election. But I think it's more than that. Flynn, Sessions, right? This has been proven. So I don't think it's just made up as a diversion.
1: These guys aren't like imaginary characters come to life through the imaginations of the Democrats. These people work for the Trump campaign. So, yes... You know, the the Democrats in this last election, they probably got a little too complacent. I thought they had it in the bag, too. I'll be the first person to say it. But that has nothing to do with the fact that people associated with the Trump campaign or on the Trump campaign were talking to people in Russia. And it's it's a known fact. It's not fake. And that's – this president just spends so much time trying to basically gaslight everybody and just – Convince them that you know what you know is truth is not truth. Why? Because I said so. And if you question me on it, I'm going to call you a liar. And that's ex-
0: exactly what it is, and he wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't a percentage of the population, namely his supporters, that believe it.
1: You know, it is. It's, there, there's a group of people out there who are going to believe anything he says no matter how ridiculous it is. Um, his next. I have a question for you concerning his next tweet. Um, yes, yeah, you. he says he says that Congress and the FBI they should all be looking into um who leaked the classified information. Um, they must find the leaker note. At what point do you think you know it is against law to leak information. At what point does uh, leaking information for the good of the country outweigh it possibly being illegal in your mind?
0: Well, this goes back to we've had had situations like this before. I mean, Watergate comes most readily to mind. but when there is something that that is that credible of a piece of information that stands in the way of us being able to protect the United States, or is is has the ability to break something open that uh, can preserve and protect this country. Then I think that becomes tantamount, that's more important. In this case, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. We can't afford to have foreign nations meddling in our electoral process, whether or not they actually hacked into election machines, because I, I don't believe that they did. The fact that they were able to sway populace the way that they did is, is dangerous, it's, it concerns me. So I think that if there's information that needs to get out, you know, we're looking back on stuff, stuff much more important Right. This is uh, this is Pentagon Papers, 1967. This is this is important to do. You know that's why we have. While this may be uh, illegal, this classified information being leaked, it, we also have laws to protect whistleblowers for this exact reason. When something is that important, I think that we need to make the exception for the good of the country.
1: I actually think you can be a patriot and a criminal at the same time. Um, you can do something that's illegal for the right reasons. And be praised for it, but then maybe have to have to face the music too. You know, I mean, that was the question when Snowden came out with all his stuff, or or, or uh, Manning and all this stuff. You know, should they are they criminals or do they do something because they thought it was right? And I actually think that both sides. To a certain degree, have have legit points. I mean, I mean, there's WikiLeaks stuff. That's a whole nother story. You know, Julian Assange, that guy is a, a nutcase, and he's dating Pamela Anderson now. I, I, he's like living in an embassy, dating Pamela Anderson. I don't. know. Well, when have that. we
0: ever known Pamela Anderson to have been of sound mind?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I I would never want to uh, judge or uh, or harass anybody, but she's past her due date. You know, it's, it's this is in 1992, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> um, and then the last thing here he tweeted was, you know, what about the contact with the Clinton campaign and the Russians? Also, is it true that the DNC would not the FBI in to look? All right. He just asked Twitter a question about what the DNC and the FBI. You're the president. You can just ask the FBI. Why are you asking Twitter? Again, he, he's putting out questions that I didn't accuse anybody. I just asked a question, and now everybody's going to take it and run.
0: Right. Further proving that perhaps he was unprepared for the job if he doesn't even know that he's in charge of the FBI. But who are we to judge?
1: Well, he he got what he wanted though today because today um, FBI Director Comey testified before the House Select Intelligence Committee. I watched it while I was at work. And the uh, chairman, Devin Nunez, who, by the way, totally against my ideology, but the first office I ever uh, applied and interviewed for a job for in Congress. I was like, just somebody hire me. And I was like, Congressman Noons? <laughs> it's Noon, yes. I'm like, oops. Um, but anyways, he actually asked the question to Comey about the Clintons, and I, mean, I had never heard of this before. It, it's just, it just seems like nonsense. What would, what would they have to gain? They lost. Everything that came out was against the Clintons. It's just more blowing smoke up of the butts.
0: So does this mean that James Comey has a guilty conscience?
1: Well, Comey pretty much is responsible for the situation we're in right now, especially because he said that so let's let's back up a little bit. He did confirm that uh, they're investigating Russia's effects on the on the elections, and that includes any possible connection between the trump campaign slash administration with Russia. And that it's been going on since July. so that, he was investigating – and he said, you know, it's not a long time for this kind of thing. These things take time. But he's been investigating Trump's, Trump's campaign's possible involvement with Russia since July, yet he felt the need to release a letter about Hillary Clinton's status pretty much saying nothing, which possibly cost her the election. It's, Comey, he screwed up big time, and it's not a partisan thing. It's just a fact that he sent out a letter that, that affected the outcome of the election, and it was not necessary to release that letter.
0: And in this situation, Donald Trump can't really afford to come out and discredit Director Comey because he is, as you said, one of the major reasons why President Trump was elected, right? So Donald Trump can't come out and say, like, this guy is not to be believed because you just relied on him less than six months ago to put you in the office that you hold. Well, I actually disagree.
1: I think Trump has no problem being like, he was right back then. He's an idiot now, though. Like, you know, there's, there's no sense of uh, continuity in the way he thinks about things. It's, whatever comes to mind just comes out. But uh, the, the other thing that Comey said is that not only the FBI said this, the DOJ also agrees that there is no evidence of any kind of wiretapping, whatever you want to consider wiretapping to be, anywhere at Trump Tower. And it's funny, we'll talk about in a second how the Trump administration looks at, the, at these two things uh, and what they accept and what they don't. But so let's that's, that's just recap. The head of the FBI said they are investigating possible Trump involvement with Russia and that they found no evidence of wiretapping. That's the head of the FBI saying this with the DOJ you know, piggybacking that. That should be huge news and Trump should be on his knees saying, I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen.
0: I don't expect to see that either, you know, since he typically doubles down uh, when information comes that makes him look wrong. Uh, But I think the overall thing to take away from this is that, you know, you've got the Federal Bureau of Investigation coming out and saying that there is an investigation going on and there is no factual basis to support the idea that any wiretapping happened. And yet you still have the president of the United States refusing to concede here. That's, you know, this is important. You know, this is an important time in our history to to understand that the president, for all the power he may have, can be wrong. And that facts always come out, uh, should come out on top, that facts matter.
1: Let's just be honest. He, He woke up grumpy one Saturday morning, tweeted something ridiculous, and now the ramifications are coming into our our government, foreign governments. It's become a worldwide story, and and having effects worldwide. It, it's just crazy. And, and he already screwed up our relationship with uh, with Australia, and now we have this. We have, America has a special relationship. They always say with England, and they're now accusing the British intelligence agencies of wiretapping. Trump on behalf of the Obama administration. Um, I guess you know they they apologized to them, but then kind of said no, we didn't apologize to them. It's just, and and you know the, the relationship we have with Germany now, it, it's 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 just a mess. And Spicer to me is right in the middle of all this. If last week, I I was in your uh, your house earlier this week or over the weekend doing my impression of Sean Spicer. He had a meltdown because I kept asking him. Everybody in the audience says there is no. Evidence of wiretapping. where the president say he's sorry? And Spicer just freaks out. And you know, I find it interesting that the press doesn't cover any of these pro-Trump stories. You know, the, the president has made it clear that he didn't mean wiretapping and he didn't mean that he was blaming Obama personally, even though that's exactly what he tweeted. It's it, that it happens repeatedly. Then he starts reading all off all, all these stories from from like Breitbart and Fox News and all these things to prove his point. And today they asked him, "Well, when you're reading these stories," Does that mean that you're saying you vouched for these being correct and Spicer was like no 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 I'm just reading stories. It's he they just basically try to tried to filibuster to get their point across and it's it's not going to last forever.
0: He's so concerned that the media doesn't cover stories that are pro Trump and yet he often quotes Breitbart or Fox News or these news outlets that are pro Trump. And more importantly, the job of the press while they should, when credit is to be given, should give the credit where it belongs, the job of the press is more important to point out the failures and to be critical of a presidential administration in the in the failures that it has and the mistakes that it makes. Because that's our way, that's the, the medium by which we, the people, can hold our leaders accountable. Like, if we know what's going on, then how do we hold them accountable? And so the media is more responsible for being that, that critical eye. Trump should have
1: just said he was wrong a week ago and everybody would have moved on. But now it just becomes a story over and over and over again about basically what a lying – I won't even finish that statement because you know this is a, a family podcast, but he's, he's a liar. Uh, and the, the reaction by Spicer to the Comey testimony, it's just funny the way they look at things. So the Trump-Russia connection has been investigated, and they haven't found any proof yet yet. It's ongoing. He basically says, it's completed. No one's found anything. End of story. But when it comes to the Obama wiretapping claims, you know, it's been investigated and no proof has been found. And they're pretty much done with that investigation. There's nothing there. And Spice just goes, you know, it's still ongoing. Uh, There's more to find. So he wants to just say, trust the lack of information in one area, but the lack of information somewhere else means uh, there's still something out there. You know, it's it's classic spicy
0: is really what it is. Classic spicy. And this is straight out of the Book of you know any adolescent that uh, is trying to get out of trouble. Well, don't don't worry about what I did. Worry about what this guy did.
1: And today, in the actual Comey hearing, uh, one of the things a lot of the Republicans brought up was uh, the unmasking of names regarding Russia. Like, wh- why did people know that Flynn? Why did his name come out? What are these people uh, who had connections? Why why was their name released? And uh, Comey put out there when he was asked, he, he said that uh, the S the Obama administration. Um, had knowledge, had the knowledge and the ability to unmask people like Loretta Lynch could have done that, you know. But anybody in that in that position can do it. Like he wasn't accusing anybody; just saying yes, there is a possibility somewhere in the world that they could do that. And Spicer then points it out like it's like it's accusatory, like yes, they knew the names of these people, so obviously they did it. Wink, wink, wink. And it's that's very dangerous that you're putting things out there that have no basis. In fact, it's just rumors and and nonsense, really.
0: Well, and pointing out names can be dangerous, right? Need We go back to uh, the Bush administration and the Valerie Plame fiasco that happened where she was outed uh, working as an agent in the Middle East. So I can understand their concern with outing of names. But again, when things are so detrimental to national security, sometimes that outweighs the necessity to keep uh, things classified.
1: And there's a difference between releasing somebody's name Purely out of spite and doing it because it's part of the greater good. This person's in a high-ranking position in our in our government that could really affect. I mean, this is this is 80s Cold War spy stuff they're talking about now. Um, and I read something online on on Twitter. Someone gave this uh, analogy, and I thought it was great. That what's going on right now is basically if the White House was on fire, Trump was running around with matches, and the Republicans were trying to figure out who called the who called the firefighters, who called the police. Yeah, you know that's information that's possibly important, but it's not as important as what was released and what's going on right now. You know, deal deal with the forest fire first, then you know, uh, pay your parking ticket. Afterwards. Yeah,
0: in this case, the big picture. I, I don't know. The big picture is much more important here. <sighs>
1: and the, and the last thing that Spicy did, you know, it's. I can't even I can't even handle it. Um someone pointed out that yes, Trump has been playing golf. I think he's played golf ten times in the last eight weeks. And the reason they're bringing that up is that he was very critical of President Obama playing golf. He basically said, I was never gonna I'm never gonna leave the White House because I have too much work to do. And Spicer basically said, Well, you know, Trump uses that time better than Obama did. Um Trump uses that time to build relationships. So I guess Obama just said, screw being leader of the free world for three hours when he played golf. It's Such a flimsy excuse.
0: Well, I I think that President Trump must have meant I'm not going to leave the continental United States while I'm president, uh, more so than the White House, because, you know, again, trips to Mar-a-Lago are costing $3 million uh, taxpayer's expense each time he goes. So, uh, you know, this is must be careful with the words we choose. But then again, you know, Donald Trump doesn't do that.
1: By the way, I don't know if this is breaking news, but someone just sent me this, that you know Secretary of State Tillerson, who, by the way, does not like uh, the media really, feels, feels no need to have to talk to them, is skipping the first NATO meeting next month and is going to visit Russia instead. I don't know. There's got to be more to that. That seems ridiculous if that's if that's it. Um, it's – oh, God. I, we'll, we'll have to look into that and talk about that more next time. But if that's true, that's just insanity. And finally today, what we want to talk about briefly – so Angela Merkel came and visited the uh, United States last week. Uh, she is the German chancellor, and uh, what an odd, odd video they released. So yes, they shook hands. She and President Trump shook hands earlier that day, but there's a scene in the Oval Office where we're taking pictures of them, and one of the rep- I don't know, the photographers, the reporter says, hey, could we get a handshake? And she looks at him and says, you want to shake hands? And he doesn't look at her. looks away almost, has this – like, bizarre look on his face. I don't even know how to—I'm not even trying to be a partisan idiot here. It, it looked like a—there's no—it's bizarre. I can't explain the look on his face. Can you?
0: No, but it, it was, I agree, bizarre <laughs> uh, to watch him kind of stare into the camera without even acknowledging uh, Angela Merkel's uh, request for a handshake. Seems like a simple uh, request between two world leaders, but again, this is a new territory that we're in.
1: And it didn't help that uh, earlier he, he brought up the fact that Obama had uh, been listening in on her phone. Like you know, that, that was a that was a big deal. I mean, it hurt relationship between the United States and Russia for a while there. And he's just joking about it. And I think she was like, "WTF? Like what the I, whatever the German equivalent of that is? Like what is this dude talking about?" I don't
0: think it's uh, wise to make jokes about things like wiretapping with somebody who grew up in Cold War Germany. I'm pretty sure her. Yeah. Her connotation of wiretapping uh, and her experience with that is a whole lot different than Donald Trump.
1: She dealt with the Russians firsthand as a child and knows why she's against a lot of the things they stood for because she lived it. Uh, it's and I, I love some of the articles I was reading saying leader of the free world to meet with President Trump. Uh, it's they they really are sticking it to him, but you know it's they are they're, they're really polar opposites on a lot of things and. It, it's just going to be sad if this is one more. You know, it, it's it's funny. I always joke about our relationship with Russia through the years and stuff, because uh, I was raised Jewish. Ha 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 ha. But no, really, in reality, we should have a close relationship with with Germany now. And he's just going to destroy us across the world. The the way that people look at us, and it's it's really sad that you know I, I know people. Have had problems with how America is viewed across the world since you know 9/11 and and the wars in Iraq and everything. But not, it sounds ridiculous. But we were once you know that, that shining beacon across the globe, and now we're the chumps that that voted for President Trump. It's, it's it's ridiculous.
0: And I know I've said it on previous episodes, but I'll say it again here: the idea that the president's words matter, that what he says and the ramifications across the globe of how other world leaders take him. Uh, can they believe what he says? Do they take him literally? That has the potential to cause international incident and to certainly damage or destroy relationships that we have with allies that are, are currently our friends.
1: It kind of reminds me of the, the Dead Poet Society where Robin says, you know what? Words matter, uh, language matters, and you know you can, you can change the world. And it's, it's so true. Um, we joke about this, but... Well, when the president says something, you have to go with the president actually means that. If he does mean some of these things, it's crazy, and if he's just joking, that's crazy as well. Um, and actually, he's, he's gutless to a certain degree, too, that once Merkel actually left, then he went on Twitter and started kind of bashing her. and he was saying, oh, yeah, we had a good meeting, but Germany still owes lots of money to NATO and the United States, blah, 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 blah. It's not how NATO works. Uh, there's like two billion dollars in the oper- operating budget, and it gets divided up um, not evenly to different countries. U.S. is first, Germany is actually second. Uh, and what he could complain about is that the countries are supposed to spend a certain amount of their um, their gross national or what, gross domestic product on uh, defense for NATO, and Germany and a lot of other countries like Italy and Canada haven't been doing that. But he did He's basically acting like NATO is owned by the United States. And uh, he's waiting there with a piggy bank for Merkel to come back and put some quarters in it. And it's – again, I, I just don't think he understands how these things work. I think he reads his, his one-page outlines that he likes with graphs and stuff and doesn't want to get down the weeds and just tweets with basic knowledge of anything he talks about.
0: Well, NATO was established in the Cold War, post-World War II, on the premise that you know, Article 5 – of an attack on one member country is an attack on, on all. And it started with 12 countries, now it's up to 28. America, while we are the, the largest country and we do pay the largest portion of NATO's budget, we are not necessarily uh, meant to be belligerent. We're used as a deterrent, as not as a proactive defense of any one country. To, so to say that you know, Germany owes us because we've been defending them for years. Well, actually, the last time our... Article 5 was invoked was on September 12, 2001, after the attacks on the United States, when the European members of NATO came to our defense. So maybe, after all, the United States owes Germany. And as you said, we pay a percentage of our gross national income. We pay 22% of NATO's budget, but Germany's not disproportionately far behind. They're paying 14%. France rolls in at 10%, and the United Kingdom right behind that at 98 So these other countries are paying their fair share, or most other countries, I should say, are paying their fair share based on the the percentage of the gross national income. Now,
1: September 12th, wasn't that when everybody in Jersey was celebrating 9-11, according to the president? Right,
0: yes, so all all, all the-
1: All all those, all those, there's no video of these, or no no news reports of any of this, but- Islamic
0: militants in the streets of Bergen, New Jersey.
1: Oh, man, I, I'm, I am spent with getting so worked up and getting so angry about all this stuff. I'm telling you, it's going to put me into an early grave. So before we can end this, and, and maybe to calm me down, can we, can we bring us on over to, to Kevin's corner here and maybe end with some words of wisdom?
0: Well, sure. And I, I kind of like this, uh, this little segment of our our show, and I'm happy to take that on. And hopefully I can calm you down and some of our listeners as well, I guess it's the teacher and me. So we talked tonight about the idea of building a wall, but building a wall on the border of the United States and Mexico is an inefficient fix to a much more global and pressing problem. Not all illegal immigrants are from Mexico or even Central America. And so building a wall along our border there won't stop the entirety of immigrants from coming here illegally. And as long as there's war, poverty, government corruption, crime, and persecution, there'll always be a desire to seek refuge in a democracy. And America has long been, in the words of Ronald Reagan and Jesse tonight, a shining city upon a hill whose beacon light guides freedom-loving people everywhere. So trying more diplomacy, helping nations improve themselves, and setting a standard of what freedom, democracy, and what governance really means will set a far more concrete barrier against illegal immigration than a wall ever will.
1: Ah, I think I can sleep well today. You've calmed me down. I feel better now. So now that everybody else is calm, remember you can go to our Twitter page at uh, Pod. Give us some tweets. Tell us what you think. We have a page on Facebook too. You can find us there. Just search "Grab Them By The Pod." Of course, you can send us an email at grab them by the pod at gmail.com. and we're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. As someone joked the other day when I said this, but we're on all Android platforms. You can find us anywhere. We're pretty much uh, anywhere there's a podcast, you can find us. And uh, we've we've been noticing we've been growing by this. List, our listeners have been growing by the week and uh, by the episode, and it feels good to have more and more people on board. And uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, the next crop we'll get over the next week. Whether you love us or hate us, I want to hear it either way. It'll be fantastic. If people feel passionate about us, that's important. And if they're passionate enough to complain about us, we know what. That means we invoked some kind of emotion in them, and I think that's, that's a success. I'll take it. <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you next time.
0: Later.